It's movie time. Movie time. It's movie. Jerry. Yeah, okay. Zedheads, welcome to our podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, and this is The Walking Dead Cast, episode 343. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's fun. I like that noise. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, welcome, Kristen. I think you've only been on once before to cover an episode. Is that right? Yeah, of Walking Dead. I think I did yeah. Fear once. Okay. It's been a while, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad to have you on because, uh, well, I haven't podcasted with you in a while. And It'll be super fun. Also, uh, Game of Thrones is right around the corner. How Seven many weeks, weeks away? Seven weeks Seven. away. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, That's we so just cool. we just started. Uh, we're actually recording for season seven, episode one tomorrow uh, with Lucy, actually, mm-hmm. of Comic Talk. And so now I'm in final countdown because I'm like, there's seven episodes left. Yeah. So there's seven weeks left. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. And... I always kind of assume everyone knows exactly what we're doing and what we're all about, but I forget that a lot of people don't pay that close attention. So I just want to reiterate, if you guys used to listen to us cover Game of Thrones when um, it was on the air and you haven't been paying attention to us lately, but you want to jump back on for Game of Thrones season eight, I just want to make sure that it's clear to you that we're not game of microphones anymore. So even if you're subscribed to game of microphones and you thought you could just go back on and hear us, you won't hear us on there. If you want to hear Kristen and me and probably we'll get Mr. Blog and David and Lucy and maybe even I was thinking we could try to get Karen on for the last season, at least one episode. Um, That would be amazing. Then you need to subscribe to our new game of Thrones podcast, which is called house podcastica. And it's easy to find. Just go to housepodcastica.com and there's links on there to find it, you know, on all the different places. Kristen just released House Podcastica for season six, episode 10, because she's, you're doing this whole rewatch. That was the winds of winter. That's one of my favorite episodes of the series. That was really tough to find a top five for because I wanted to have a top 10. (laughs) that's the one with the light of the seven at the beginning right the song yeah so um just just like real quick it was funny because i wanted to watch the beginning of that one day i just wanted to see like that that whole sequence and i said it's just the beginning of the episode so it'll be fine and when it was over it was 26 minutes into the episode (laughs) i said i've been here for a half hour (laughs) that is one of my favorite sequences in all of game of thrones um and David was on there with you, who I, I just love his podcasting so much. He's so smart. Yeah. And he, and it's so nice to have a good, smart brain for this part, podcast and for this show. Because a lot of times you're like, wait, hang on. Am I saying the right thing? I'm yeah. not sure. <laughs> you don't think that. You're you're right up there with the smartest ones. But I, I feel like Thank I'm barely you. hanging on. <laughs> 
And then I will also just attempt you guys, if you're on the fence about whether you want to, um, or even if you're a loyal listener and you just want to get in on this, we have this contest. I have a bottle of House Baratheon whiskey. It's super rare. Going for like $250 online. You can win it. Go to housepodcastica.com to find out how to win it. Basically, we're trying to drum up subscriptions and reviews and all that kind of stuff. So check it out. Yeah. Then last, I'll mention that this episode's made possible by Patreon supporters like Leanne Hicks, who've pledged their support at patreon.com slash Jason and Karen. So thank you, Leanne. She's been listening for a long, long time. I met her. At, at Atlanta. She was in Atlanta. Yeah, yes. she's super nice, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, so nice. And her husband is so great, too. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> you might notice that my voice is kind of fucked right now, and that's because I just got back from the Walker Stalker cruise, which was super fun. And I drank more than I have drank in a long time and did panels. And uh, it was a really great cruise. It was the first time that Kaylee Fleming, who plays Judith, met Sarah Wayne Callies and Chandler Riggs. That picture was amazing. Yeah, I know. I saw that. And I heard I wasn't there for it, but I heard it was really cute when they all got together. I love Sarah Wayne Callies. Mm -hmm. I want her to be my friend. I want to go like on vacation with her and barbecue with her and have like (laughs) facials and paint each other's nails. Like I just want her to be my best friend. (laughs) Well, for people who want to hear more about the cruise, um, just to let you know, we're doing our monthly Patreon call-in show this Thursday, and I'll talk about it a lot more there because there was a lot of fun stuff that happened. So if you pledge any amounts, you can get access to those calls and jump on with us and you can even come and talk with us on it like on air if you want it's really fun so that's at uh, patreon.com slash jason and karen those calls are really really fun too yeah, and you want to be there for it. the after call <laughs> just even more fun because it's later at night and more alcohol has been had a lot more all right let's get on with it attention shoppers dead cast top five in five four Three, two. Okay, it's Deadcast Top 5 this week. It's our top five highlights for Walking Dead Season 9, Episode 11, Bounty. What did you think of it in general? I loved this episode. I thought it was so beautifully done. I was, even on the second watch, I was captivated. It was hard to write notes and watch because I wanted to just watch again. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad the show is at a place right now where it's pumping out show episodes like that. They were really. How, what did you think? You liked it? Yeah, I did. I At first, I, um, I, uh, I, I don't know. I guess I thought the Jerry and Ezekiel stuff was it, I loved it but maybe it tonally was jarring considering that there was a lot of creepy stuff going on so it felt almost like we were watching two separate shows but I don't know I'm just nitpicking I know I mean I liked it a lot I think it was a great episode yeah awesome so what's your number five so my number five, I wanted to just talk about it straight away because I had some weird revelation and I wanted to see if you thought there was anything to it. Okay. Um, so it it has to do with Alpha and the Whispers. Mm-hmm. So I am not a comic reader. Um, I don't know anything about the comics. So I'm just going based off of the information that I have. But I did, she talked about when there was the baby, she was talking about how 
they were animals and how, you know, we have we have babies, animals have babies, you know, and that got me thinking of the fact that they act a lot like wild wolves. And so I did a little research on wolves and in a wolf pack, there's usually an alpha, a beta mm, and an omega. Yeah. And wait a minute. I didn't would, know there was an omega. There's like there's the an wolf omega. that everyone picks mm-hmm. on. Yeah, it's the la- it's the lowest place in a wolf pack is the uh, Omega, which I believe was the title of Lydia's introduction episode, yep, correct? Yep. So we do know that uh, Beta is going to be played by Ryan Hurst, who I love, love, love. Mm-hmm. So I guess, I mean, she seemed to have a right-hand man in this episode, which she was whispering uh, tactical things to, which I love that they whisper to each other. But uh, that was not him, right? No, it wasn't. But beta, the beta in the wolf pack is the second in command. If anything happens mm-hmm. to the alpha, then the beta is the one to take the place. So this made me think about now, weirdly, we have a speech from Enid later this episode where she talks about Carl and how she used to ha- just survive somehow. And I've been playing Russian roulette with Walking Dead lately, just picking episodes. And randomly this hmm. week, I watched JSS, which was Enid's intro- uh, backstory episode. Yeah. And with the turtle. What's strange. <laughs> My husband said the same exact thing when I said this to him <laughs> earlier. He said, oh, yeah, when she eats the turtle. Mm-hmm. So this I'm, I'm sorry, I am going somewhere with this. Um, that was the episode that the wolves attacked Alexandria. And it made me think about the fact that we never got an answer on the wolves. The wolves were just like this group of people that showed up, killed a bunch of people and left. And they had a lot of the same ideology that it sounds like Alpha has. Yeah, they died out, right? I think they, well, got, they so mostly got killed. I remember that uh, we've seen the homeless symbols in various spots throughout the past seasons. And when they were in Richmond, uh, well, Richmond area, right? For Noah, they found all those torsos without any heads. And it got me thinking that and there was all this... Um, spray paint that said wolves not not far you know turn back don't Mm -hmm. come in here blah 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 so i'm wondering if we've been dropped hints of the whispers in their early beginnings and they've somehow evolved into these masked whisper people like they were wolves and they still operate as a pack but maybe this is like a new direct like not a new direction because there's been a six-year jump but maybe they've evolved just like everybody else and maybe I, I need an answer to why we had the wolves. And I was just wondering if, if I sound completely insane or if you think there's anything to that. I don't think it sounds insane, but I don't think there's anything to it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Um, I'm always in Game of Thrones mode, so I think of theories. <laughs> the only... No, no, I love that. I, I just... This is just my opinion, but I just feel like the show... And I could be wrong, too, but I don't think it operates that like that where um, they have these really intriguing connections between people or groups or things, you know, like like mm-hmm. Lost did, I guess, that you can theorize about and come up with mind blowing like, oh, my God, I can't believe those were connected. I feel like the show is much more about just people's um emotions and perspectives Mm -hmm. and how they deal with survival and so and they have new threats that come along all the time and now how are they going to deal with that so i really i really don't think that that was uh, the writer's intention but then again you know i i'm often wrong so 
who knows? <laughs> yeah, it was just, you know, it was the symbols and I know yeah. the wolves are territorial right. and the symbols could have something to do with their territory and who knows, right? Who knows? So. I also think the wolves, who, uh, yeah, like this could be an evolution, but the wolves were so aggressive and brutal and these guys just sort of man shamble around. So, I mean, they're still aggressive, but in a different way. Um, they don't feel the same right now, but it's six years later, so <laughs> who knows? Right. right. But I, I always love that stuff about the dump, like in in animals, like in apes, you know, there's the same thing. There's an alpha, the dominant mm-hmm. one, and there's a pecking order. And I mean, it's interesting to me because I think that even with people, it's like that. And that also among a group of people, there's a lot of uh, subconscious communication that goes on not not just language and verbal in our body language, the way we carry ourselves, the tone of our voice that can sort of establish a status hierarchy among people. And mm-hmm. then a new person comes in and you have to figure out where you belong. And I mean, when alpha says we're all animals, part of me is like, yeah, we are, we are animals. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what was interesting to me about this episode. Actually, can I go into my five? Please. Yes. Okay. Yes. Is that um, I really feel like this episode was about how humans are are different than animals, how we are animals and more. We're more enlightened and there's room in the show and in our people's world now that they have a measure of security and stability for more um, enlightened things like art and movies and babies. Well, animals have babies, but love and warmth and just things that might seem impractical if you're just focused on survival. And I think that maybe, I don't know. I always try to figure out what the title means. It's bounty. Um, a bounty. And I usually think of it as a plentifulness, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, that sort of this projector bulb kind of fits in there. Like if you're just focused on survival mode, then you're not going to bother with something like a movie. And also the baby's Jerry's going to be a dad. And that was super cute <laughs> to see him so excited about being a dad in the past. And then we see him in the current day and he's got three kids. <laughs> he got busy. <laughs> yeah. And one, the oldest one looked like a little Jerry. That was cute. And it's mm-hmm. such a contrast to, um, I think that's the the intentional contrast with the whispers is that, you know, with our people, they're stable enough for babies, but with the whispers, if, if you're threatened, then you, you just give up that baby, which was really mm-hmm. sad, but I'm sure we'll get to that more, but that was so fucked up. <laughs> I was horrified. I know. <laughs> and I like, I really like the idea of getting that projector bulb for the fair. I, my first reaction was, are you sure you guys want to risk your lives for that? Cause people die off on the show a lot. But um, when Ezekiel started talking about showing children, their first film and how it would, um, make the gathering of the community see something they, they'd never forget and love it. And if that moment of fellowship was seared into their hearts and minds, then they would fight to preserve those bonds. And I mean, I, I that was cool because Ezekiel's supposed to be this King that inspires. And it really inspired me when he said that. He inspires me just by existing. I, <laughs> <Yeah>. You should <laughs> have seen him on the cruise. Man. Magical. <laughs> I'll tell one thing about the cruise. That was one of my favorite things. I did a panel with, with him and Jerry 
and they were backstage and weird they're never together <laughs> and he he's super hyper and he was doing a handstand he's been what? doing he's been doing keto by the way he he's really trim and uh and uh so when we got out on stage i i was like well i don't know if i'm supposed to talk about what happens backstage but can you tell us a little bit about what what you were doing back there and he goes well i was doing a handstand and then everybody starts to plot come on come on so he did a handstand <laughs> on stage He's like, I don't know if I have room. Oh, what the hell? And then I go as a joke. All right, now Cooper. And then uh, Cooper Andrews, who plays Jerry, stood up and did a fucking handstand. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and uh, Kari Payton spotted him. He didn't do it quite as successfully. I was a little nervous, but he did it. And I thought that was really awesome. Anyway, that was fun. That's amazing. <laughs> um, Can I ask you a question? Yeah. You talking about the movie, uh, it spawned, uh, I I wanted to ask you a question. If you were to show somebody their first movie, do you know what you would choose? You mean a kid? Like for a a group? Yeah. Somebody who's never seen a movie before. Because they said that they haven't had it in five years. Well, I do think that unless they're going to have an adult showing and a kid showing that it's going to have to be a family friendly movie. So that means they can't really. Well, you know, you could show Night of the Living Dead at this point because kids aren't really phased by that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that just like a documentary? <laughs> right. It's like, Dad, we see this every day. I haven't really thought about it. Have you? Uh, yeah, I did. What would you but, show? Uh, Wizard of Oz. That's a good one. That was probably one of my first ones, actually, on TV. I used to. And I, I used think to that movie's magic. Every year, yeah, mm-hmm. it's good. It's a little scary in parts. Well, the, you know, there's the dead people with <laughs> faces. <laughs> right, I know. Yeah, it's like a relief to watch something like that. I know. I have to think about that. Um, somebody, I think it was Mark, on Facebook said that they thought the movie that they were going to show was night of the living dead or something. I think he was joking about that. Cause I looked for it on my second watch, but anyways, I don't think they have zombie movies in this, in the walking dead universe. Anyway, no, it's probably something like a- Abbott and Costello or something that they found. <laughs> yeah. It'll be curious. I mean, I think they're probably going to end up showing a movie, so we'll probably find out what it's going to be. Uh, the last thing on this whole theme of, the contrast basically between the whispers and our people and how our people are focused on the human things in life, not just the survival now is um, when Enid was talking about, she saw her parents die and it became all about surviving. And then Carl died and left her this letter. First time we get to find out what his letter to her said. So that's cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. Saying that just surviving isn't living and you live with all this bad stuff that's happened by staying who you are and not letting the bad things change you. And so I think getting back to the thing, little things that we like is um, about that. It's like saying, you know, I'm not just going to survive, but I'm going to enjoy life. So I think that's fun to see on the show. It's good. Finding your joy. Yeah. It fits well Mm -hmm. with Angela Kang coming in and making it. Okay. Now we're going into a new phase with this show. That's not just about, survival anymore but it's about growth too yeah yeah and that goes with the new logo yeah so it's nice stuff. to see the tone shifting i agree mm-hmm. okay what's your four my four is that we saw jesus man <laughs> i <laughs> just it was so great to see him um 
But I think what I was most excited about seeing him was that we are going to see more of him because that was a flashback and it means that we're going to probably get an explanation on why Daryl and Michonne have those X's on their backs. Um, you know, there was a conversation that Daryl and Daryl and Henry were talking about or alluding to uh, Daryl doing something for Alexandria and there was kind of a tight moment there and between that and mm-hmm. seeing beautiful, wonderful, magical Jesus <laughs> riding up on a horse with the charter in his hands. <laughs> Just everything about yeah. that was wonderful. In that moment, did you was that when you realized it was a flashback right then? Uh, Carol's hair was a lot shorter. So you were already kind of thinking. I was wondering why her hair was so short, but it wasn't until I saw Jesus that I realized what was happening. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, one thing about that scene, I loved seeing him and it was a little bittersweet too because he's dead, but Mm -hmm. I love that character and Tom Payne too. So it's just like, oh, it's so good to see him alive. And it made me think afterwards, well, it wasn't a very significant scene for him. I think the point of it was to show how Ezekiel got this charter. Mm. And so it wasn't really Jesus centered. So yes, I agree with you that I think this means that they're going to show more of Jesus. And so he's been sitting around Georgia with nothing to do. And they're like, Oh, he's still, we still got him. Let's use him for this. But I think it means that it reminded me a little bit of Nick on fear the walking dead, how he died off, but then you saw him more later, but but they didn't give him very much to do after that. No, yeah, they didn't utilize him well. I think it's going to be different with uh, Tom Payne. Let's hope anyway. I hope so, because it was real great to see him. Do you watch? You don't watch Talking Dead, do you? Uh, almost never, yeah. Uh, they were talking about filming that scene and how uh, Cooper Andrews was talking about the fact that they, you know, were on these horses and, you know, Cooper Andrews is like, I can't get my horse to work and, you know, everything's terrible. And all of a sudden you see Tom Payne just riding on his horse just beautifully and perfectly <laughs> like, and he's like, oh, a dead person. Whoop, I'll get that. No problem. <laughs> it's just really funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's just very, a very graceful human being. <laughs> He's wonderful. <laughs> How about your number four? Uh, let's see. Well, it kind of fits in. I mean, I thought there was a sense there was uh, this was episode was a little bit more comedic than most of the episodes we get, which is always welcome. Mm-hmm. And um, that first scene in particular, one way that it was comedic was by throwing these little unexpected things at us. First, we see Jerry talking to Ezekiel about a. Uh, the secret he had and you promise you won't tell anybody. And it looks like Mm -hmm. an intimate conversation. And then he looks over and goes, what about you, Carol? And then the camera widens out and you see that she's there. That just struck me as funny for some reason. It felt like something that would be on a comedy show where you realize that someone (laughs) else is there listening to them. (laughs) 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 And that was unexpected to me. Then they hear zombies and Carol says they're coming, but she doesn't mean the zombie. She means Jesus and Tara. And you, so you see them ride up and that wasn't funny, but it was a pleasant moment, you know, not, not a dark show kind of a moment, but a, a happy moment. Mm-hmm. And then, um, 
I already mentioned about Jerry being so happy to be a dad. And then we see him later with all his kids. Uh, there were a couple other funny moments when Ezekiel is hemming and hawing about telling Carol where he's going and he's trying to keep the secret and saying, it's nothing you'd be interested in. I'm like, yeah, that's going to work. And she's like, try me. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought that was funny because he's kind of fumbling. I'm not scared of you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My favorite was uh, when Jerry was like, it's movie time, movie time. It's mo- and, and Carol's all Jerry, like just the way that Ezekiel <laughs> yeah. does all the time. He's like, yeah, okay, sorry. <laughs> that was good. Then the, he's uh, they're doing this thing that they do occasionally on a show. Now it's it's a it's a tactic is they play music on a boombox to draw out the Zeds. But I like this tactic because you can play different music to add different kind of personality to the scene. And here it's a funk kind of song, which fits with uh, King Ezekiel really well. And then I love that later when they decide to press their attack after the, the uh, boom box has died out and the bulb has dropped and they thought about aborting the mission, but decided to go forward that then the soundtrack comes in with that same song anyway. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was fun. Uh, I liked when Jerry said, these bulbs are fragile. Yes, I thought that was amazing. And we thought that was so great. I was like, Christmas story. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> then uh, Carol refers to herself as queen after she'd been protesting. Shouldn't the queen's call count for something? That was super cute. Yeah. And made me wonder if she if she's like easing into going full on like I'm going to play this role with Ezekiel. I doubt it, but it was a moment of that anyway. And then what was the last? Oh, just I like this cute exchange when Ezekiel said, thank you for what you did back there. And Carol said, I'm only a killjoy sometimes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gosh, I love both of them so much. I think that they're I think that they're the perfect balance of dreamer and logic. You know, they just balance uh, Carol yeah. and Ezekiel. They balance each other out. They do. Wonderfully. And they yeah. And they even influence each other to go in in the other direction sometimes like Ezekiel might open Carol up a little bit and make her feel a little more free and she might make him a little smarter. (laughs) Yeah. At the end they had a role reversal. He said, no, 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 we should go back. And Carol's like, "Uh, excuse me, I get an opinion here, you know? So (laughs) that was cool. Yeah. I loved um, all of them jamming out to the mission mix. I don't. Is that what it is? I don't know. That's what they called it. They called it the mission mix. Oh, That's what the tape oh, oh, said okay. when they were playing it. And then everybody's like having their own little jam out in their head as they're watching all of the Zeds just leave the theater. <laughs> That's funny. And Carol, you could see her looking around like this is ridiculous. But she, <laughs> I think she was bopping around inside as well. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Hey, she's she's in it now she she has no choice <laughs> yeah six, six uh seven and a half years of this yeah. she's probably like whatever okay yeah, okay <laughs> <laughs> okay number three yes uh my number three is the prospect of daryl and connie prospect huh i i don't know what happened but the minute daryl was leaving and i saw connie run up i'm like Yes, take right. her with you. I know. You know, I didn't think that, but somebody wrote it on Facebook. And when I was reading oh, yeah? it, I'm like, just like, that we're sh- I'm shipping those two. And I was like, yeah, yeah, totally. So she's real silent. 
he digs that. <laughs> they're both they're both very strong and resourceful. I think that they could communicate really well yeah. without having to talk. Yeah, because I've always said about Daryl that he reads people well. He he's good with animals and I think that's because he's more about tuning into the way people are acting versus listening to what they're saying. And maybe Mm -hmm. Connie being deaf has that same kind of thing going on. Yeah. I just, when they left Hilltop man with dog to boot, I'm just like, (laughs) I want that show. Let's follow them. (laughs) I don't care where they're going. I'm in, I'm here for this. (laughs) So, but uh, do you think that will actually happen? You think there's a chance? Man, I hope so. I think there's a chance. I don't, yeah, I really don't know if that's at all where they were going. I, I kind of would be surprised if it happened, but I think there's a chance and I think it'd be pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me too. That was it though. It was short and sweet. Cool. Okay. Uh, mine is this charter. So it's what Michonne was writing back when she was more optimistic before she got <laughs> <laughs> branded. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> we see Jesus and Tara delivering this to to Ezekiel. And it's interesting because, let's see, they were going, Tara had grabbed it because it had just been sitting there, she said, collecting dust and didn't want to give it to Maggie because, wait, why was that? She wanted to give it to, oh, because Maggie and Michonne are not friends right now. At this point, yeah, she, in time. I, I bet she thought that Maggie would burn it or something. Maybe, yeah. So they, so then they decide to give it to Ezekiel, who's the perfect person to give it to because he still has a bright flame going for getting everybody all together. And it's the multi-community charter of rights and freedoms. And there's places for signatures. They're all blank, but for Hilltop Sanctuary, Alexandria, Oceanside, and and the Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And um, by the way. One of our listeners and our Patreon dudes, Brian Malosh, who does the Walking Dead talk through podcast also, he wrote out as much of this as he could decipher on screen. And it's a lot. And it's in a crazy that he did. (laughs) It's cool. I love it. So, yeah. Oh, totally. It's in a Google Doc and I will put it um, on, you know, I'll put a link in the show notes. But there's also some news about it in our news section, too. So you'll hear a little bit more about what's in there. But anyways, uh then I think that it's really a symbol of Ezekiel's the one who's carrying the torch big time for uniting these communities. And it was really confirmed that the, um, I always thought the festival was a way for him to push that agenda, but I didn't realize until this episode that he wants them all to sign it right at the festival, which I thought was kind of cool. I don't think, I don't know. I feel like that's the whole thing's going to be a huge clusterfuck, but we'll see. What do you think? Do you think they're going to sign it? I hope so. I, you know, I, I can't help but be really nervous about the fair. Um, I think that it's going to be amazing, but I think that you're right in the fact that it could be a huge clusterfuck. If it was just just, normal and everyone had a good time, we'd be like, (laughs) what? (laughs) I I just want it to be dinner and a movie. (laughs) Right. Maybe uh, some pony rides. Yeah, yeah, some pony rides because, you know, they're not on horses enough. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, they're all hunting elk to stock up for the 
for the festival. And when Ezekiel said, as he's going off, I think it's when he's going off to the hunt, he said to Carol, it's all going to work out. I'm like, don't say stuff like that. Oh, he has, (laughs) the minute Jerry said, oh, we're Pragers, Dave goes, he's done. Yeah, dead, dead. (laughs) And when Ezekiel said, it's all going to work out, the next scene they cut to is one of those creepy whispers and his zombie skin masks. (laughs) Yeah, I you know, it's it's like it's not just one character right now that's full of hope because you always know that whoever has the most hope dies on the show. Right. It's like there's a whole place right now that seems to be full of hope and we're all headed there. (laughs) Yeah, it's Angela King. She's bringing all this hope. And then like two episodes from now, it will be announced that Scott Kimple's coming back in as showrunner. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> to wrap up the season <laughs> yeah he's just doing the finale yeah to kill everyone off <laughs> okay i'm just kidding about that by the way for people who don't know my humor all right oh yeah sorry <laughs> what's uh number two uh my number two was alpha's proper introduction um so again i'm not a comic book reader but i've been really excited about Alpha and the Whispers, just because who they're casting for Alpha and Beta got me really excited. And I think Samantha Morton is fucking killing it right now. She's so scary (laughs) that she makes Negan look like a farmer with a piece of straw (laughs) hanging out of his mouth. (laughs) You know, the minute she looked at that mom and just like gave her a look like, get rid of the kid. And she just, but it wasn't anything that was hurried or worried. She just looked at her, gave like one of those, what are you going to do looks and just went about her business. I I, I was horrified at that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that's horrible. And uh, it makes it, 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 it's believable from what we know of the character. I mean, these guys just seem totally twisted and messed up. So, yeah. Yeah, I love the way she talks. I love the way she's just real calm. She's so scary in the fact that she doesn't really seem to freak out about anything. Yeah. Like, she's she's just got it. And then, you know, when at the end, when she slaps Lydia and then she hugs her, it's it's just to me that was terrifying because it tells me that she's she's like a Jekyll and Hyde, but in a controlled sense, uh, there's just something broken in her brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think that she has this whole philosophy going with her people, but I think Lydia's a special case because you know Lydia said she didn't expect her to come back for her and that usually if someone's wounded or whatever, they just let them go. And she almost did it with a fucking baby right then. Mm. <laughs> but uh, she came back for Lydia. And I don't know, my take on that is that they have this codependent abuser, abusee relationship and Alpha's a narcissist and she needs to have her Omega to feel complete, you know? Mm-hmm. That's interesting because I was going to ask you if you thought that maybe it meant that she um that she viewed Lydia more as just like her property like that's mine and mm. i want it back 
Maybe, yeah. We, I, re- I feel like we don't really know enough yet. I mean, mm-hmm. it seems pretty clear to me that Lydia fulfills that role in a codependent relationship where you're a people pleaser and you always um, think that the other person might change and you want their approval. And even if they treat you super badly, you feel drawn back into the unhealthiness of it. So for Lydia, we've seen enough to know that at least in my opinion, that she fits into that. But with alpha, I don't really understand her motivations as well. Mm, I'll be very interested for next week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. Yeah. To learn more about her. And you were mentioning like how compared to Negan. And one thing that we do on the show a lot is, Oh, I wonder what it'd be like if so-and-so met so-and-so, but we almost never can find out because one of them is dead, but Negan's alive. So, there's a pretty damn good chance we will get to see a Negan Alpha meeting at some point, which is kind of cool to to think about. The only thing is Negan's not really the same character anymore. So either way, um, I hope we do get to see those two on screen at some point. I hope she kills him. <laughs> she might. I hope she kills him. I hope she. that's like the first thing that she does. That that would make me love her. Right off you know, bat. what's interesting so is that... <laughs> Sorry, I liked that. <laughs> What's interesting, though, is that I really want to see more of Alpha, and I never, ever, ever want to see Negan, ever. Yeah. I was rooting for the zombies to kill him when he went back to the (laughs) sanctuary. I was rooting for the water to make his ass explode so much that he died by the river without any fanfare. Like, I've never wished a character dead so much in my life. (laughs) So you kind of don't like him? Well, Just I'm kidding. lukewarm on it. <laughs> I haven't yeah, really decided. That's pretty much how I feel about people that I'm on the fence about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, so what I mean, of course, yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, personally, I think that it's possible that he could be a changed man, but he's done so much, so many r- reprehensible things that even if he's changed, he doesn't deserve to be anywhere near anyone that I care about. So mm-hmm. um, I think probably death would be the best thing for him. But barring that, just banishment. And then like Judith said, if you come back here, then we're just going to kill you right away. So, Sounds But what good. is it that he did that uh, the, is there one thing in particular that makes you feel that oh, way? Oh yeah. He killed Glenn. That, yeah. 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 I can't, I can't get over it. I just can't. Right. I mean, that's enough. Yeah. That is enough. With the way, and the way he did it too. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't I ugh. anyways. Yeah. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't blame you. I mean, but I I guess there is a part of me that um when you said you hope that she just kills him immediately, um I want to see some interaction there and see what it would be like. So even though maybe I, she could wear his face, <laughs> she can kill him. <laughs> That's hilarious. She can kill him, wait for him to turn, and then that's crazy <laughs> that'd be awesome dude we should call Greg Nicotero <laughs> we have an idea for you we have an idea for Negan's death yeah. you tell us one of the whispers should be wearing somebody's face that we know or that's a missed opportunity <laughs> okay what's what are we number two I think you're number two my two mm-hmm. okay well, there's there's some good creepy moments in this episode. I still get a thrill when we see the whispers close up. Mm. Do you? Oh yeah. Yeah, they look gross. They kind of Texas uh, Texas Chainsaw vibes with their skin masks. What do you think is 
on their eyes and around their mouth? Uh, oh gosh, I don't know makeup, but um, in within the world of it, dirt, I guess. Yeah, I was just wondering. I, I it's probably got to just yeah be something that's just available in nature. Dirt, I don't know. Uh, poop. Poop. <laughs> it, that <laughs> it could be baby poop. Um, I oh, I really God. liked when Alpha and Daryl squared off. And he said, yes. I forget what he said, but she's like wrong answer and held up her hand and more whispers came because mm-hmm. when they first showed up, I thought, well, there, there aren't that many of them and they don't have any weapons. And I think our people could handle them really well. And they seem kind of like a meager force. And when she did that, I mean, it wasn't that many more that came, but it made me feel like, okay, she's got resources up her sleeve. And just the fact that she did that makes me think who knows how many more there are. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you think that was all of them that she called in? No, no, I don't think so. No, because we didn't see beta. Right. Yeah. So that leads me to believe that either Beta's running something somewhere else or there's a big group of them back wherever they're squatting right now. Yeah, I no yeah. way she didn't. Br- she did not bring her full force to get her daughter. Yeah, and that was just a cool move to just make a motion and all of a sudden you got like doubled your army there. What did you think about um, Luke's whisper mask? I didn't get a good look at it. It's because it didn't fit his head. Oh, was it kind of funky on there? <laughs> it's like I was flat. trying to look at it to see if they had put that makeup on their face, but well, they didn't because when it was when the masks were off, you didn't see it on there. Yeah, no, it it looked, go back and watch it again or or find a screenshot because it's actually comical how bad it looked on I guess if you're going to have a good whisper mask, you need to find a zombie that has a head around the same shape as yours and size. Yeah, they couldn't find one that was (laughs) held the dome. (laughs) Uh, There was the whole sequence at the, movie theater and uh who is it jerry and what's her name diane diana or diane diane and this zed bursts out of nowhere which has happened a couple times on the show lately they're really quiet until they get just very close to you but anyways um that startled me and i'm glad that diane didn't die because i thought she might for a second and i like her yeah, she's great. I love it that she's just one of those reliable characters, mm-hmm. always there, like kind of like Tobin always yeah. was. And I feel like I'm hoping that Diane might, she's been around for a long time. She's kind of been not totally in the background, but kind of, and it would be cool if um, she got something more to do at some point. Agreed. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, then the, I mean, this is number is all about the creepiness and the, definitely the creepiest thing was alpha making that woman lay her baby down. I hated every second of that. Yeah. I was screaming at my television. And it was so cool that Luke was signaling to Connie, Hey, there's a baby. (laughs) And so she ran right out to grab. Yes. That was awesome. Yeah. Yes. And that really fits in with where showing the contrast of where these two groups priorities are. Um, but then uh, the other, I mean, the coolest one to me was Connie in the cornfields. That's my number one. Yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah. So, well, we could do it together, but it was my favorite part of this entire episode. Mm. I called it the silent sequence in the cornfield. Yeah. And it, it goes right with what you were saying about Luke. You know, the fact that Luke saw her and with his hands tied behind his back, he was able to communicate with her without anybody knowing. And she, when, she, oh my gosh, when she runs out of the cornfield and grabs the baby and then runs into the cornfield, I loved it that they switched the si- the sound off. But it was like that muffled sound, you know, yeah. like kind of like. Like it felt underwater kind of almost. Yes, absolutely. And then every Zed that came out, like you were talking about earlier, the creepiness and, and the whispers. So what I love is that you don't know if they're a zombie or if they're a mm-hmm. whisper anymore. And that is so amazing yeah. that, that, that that's the new element <laughs> to the show. There was one time where there was one just standing there kind of far down a row and mm-hmm. i imagine that was a whisper because he was standing still with his legs apart it seems like the, i don't know it didn't seem like a zombie stance but then a zombie burst through right in front of her and that that was my favorite yes. part of that whole thing and then when she was surrounded do you think that she was gonna give up or do you think that like, i think was daryl she gonna... saved her life absolutely yeah which is another reason but... why they should hook up yeah, <laughs> but it brought tears to my eyes because then you tur- she turns around because you don't know who's in the field. Like you're seeing everything from her perspective and she turns around and she sees uh, Kelly and Earl and Rhett Butler, mm-hmm. <laughs> whose name is escaping me. <laughs> Tammy Rose. Um, thank you. Mm-hmm. Aunt Tammy Rose. That's right. Um, and they all led led her them out of the cornfield and i'm so glad that it was those two because i really like that couple and i didn't i don't really think that there's anything for them to do so it was nice to see them doing something um, yeah. by helping save connie and the baby and i love it that the hilltop seems to be this fostering community because they got the baby grace from the from the sanctuary wars the savior war um, Wait, didn't Aaron get her? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I thought so. that they went back to Hilltop with the baby. I guess I was wrong. I think so. But yeah, now they've got the Whisper baby. <laughs> <laughs> they just keep collecting babies. They're like, oh, a baby. We'll take that baby. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I forgot to mention, too. I mean, Earl at one point, or Tammy Rose was trying to, you know, maybe you should retire because he hurt himself his arthritis at his blacksmith mm-hmm. job or whatever and it was like retire you don't hear that word on the show but that's another uh, piece <laughs> nobody's of nobody's old enough <laughs> nobody's old enough and also it's just another piece of evidence that they've built up their communities enough that they have this semblance of society again where they can think about mm-hmm. things like movies and retirement and stuff like that <laughs> yeah absolutely and having a baby i mean they adopted a baby Yes, they did. A little whisper, baby. Yeah, the baby will just be like this. Wow, wow that'd be so awesome. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be so much better. <laughs> oh, that caught me off guard. I had to get one of those. <laughs> yeah, give me a whisper, baby. Yeah. <laughs> they don't exist, Jason. I know. <laughs> you should know that. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, but that was my that was my number one. Was just the entire silent 
sequence. I thought it was beautifully done. I was completely captivated. I thought, and yeah, you're right. Daryl saved Connie. So clearly they need to uh, get down with getting down. Yeah. Yep. Next week, hopefully. Yeah. Okay. My number one is, is about the hero of the episode, Henry. Who <laughs> I knew you were going to do this. Who's <laughs> the best, pretty much. Um, I, I felt bad for him because everyone in this episode gets to be happy except for Henry and uh, and Lydia. Like Enid gets her boyfriend Alden back, and uh, what's her name, Earl and Tammy Rose get the baby. And but um, Henry has to lose his his new friend, and I think it was a hard situation because I really do believe that Lydia is, is innocent as, as innocent as you can be. And that she just got sent back into an abusive situation. But, um, Hey, it's a new person that you don't know too well. And you're trading them for trading her for two people. One of whom, you know, really well, Alden and another one who's pretty new too, but still two for one. I think it was totally the right thing to do. I wouldn't ever say that they shouldn't have done that. And even when Henry, when um, Enid was trying to talk Henry into it, he didn't know that the whispers had Alden and uh, Luke. So when she told him that he was like, he resisted for a minute. Oh no, there's gotta be some other way, which is natural. You know, oh, let's try to think of a way that we can win that we can have everybody safe. But uh, anyway, he, uh, especially when Lydia came out and offered herself up. He's like, all right. You, so I thought that that was a really shitty move on Enid's part. For, because too. she yeah. played Henry. She knew that Henry liked her. And then so she went out there to t- try and like charm him a little bit, but also say that she wanted to sacrifice this girl that he really likes for her boyfriend. But she didn't mention, yeah, her boyfriend. I mean, and then yeah. She's like, she doesn't belong to us. They belong to us. I thought that that was a shitty thing to say. Well, here's, <laughs> I mean, the way she delivers her speech about when her parents died and Carl and everything, it's played mm-hmm. as if this is a really inspiring thing. But I realized when it was over that I didn't really understand what she was trying to say. So I went back and, and uh, read it. And she says, he goes, it's not fair. This is not right. She says, no, I know it isn't, but it's something we're just going to have to live with. When I was about your age, I saw my parents die. It changed me, became all about surviving somehow. And then someone else close to me died, Carl, someone special with a big heart. He left me a letter reminding me that just surviving isn't living. And it took me way too long to get what he really meant. You live with it by staying who you are, by not letting the bad things change you. So what she's basically saying is just send your friend back into this abusive situation. It's so shitty, but just stay yourself. Okay. Don't let it change. You have a sunny disposition afterwards. Oh, also I'm asking you to do this so I don't have to lose my boyfriend. That's what she's saying to him right there. Yes. (laughs) It's like, fuck you, man. I have to tell you that I've been anti Henry. And in this episode, I felt real bad for the guy. Did you? And I thought, yeah, I did. I did, and I know that you really, really like it. Well, here's the thing. I think that he, um, last episode, or was it last episode, when he really dropped his guard with Lydia, I don't think that was very smart at all. But I think um, 
it would have been smart to drop his guard in, in emotionally, but still keep an eye on her. That's all like, don't fully trust that she's not going to harm you, but uh, to the point where you've turned your back on her and she has a hammer within reach. But I do think that he intuited enough about her to know that she was confused, didn't really understand how the world really was and was in an abusive situation. And and I think he's totally right about that to the point where if he could get through to her, that she would realize, Oh, I think I'm better off here. And so I, I I still think that that's the right impulse. And I think Daryl feels the same way about, about Lydia too. He didn't, you know, as soon as alpha showed up and asked for her, his first instinct wasn't, Oh yeah, let me go get her. It was, let me go out here and confront you, put myself in danger and tell you, I'm not going to give her to you. So he's just like Henry in that way. He, he, he knows the right thing to do, but then he got presented with that sticky situation of, his they had had his two friends hostage so he had to he had to shift gears but i was just thinking you know what if you were lydia like you were um in the situation where you get beaten all the time and told that hunger is a gift and just abused and everything and then you find these people who uh the only one who has any sympathy for you is this guy henry and everyone else treats you like an like an enemy I just think that Henry was the only one to see her. Well, Henry and Daryl were the ones to see her for what she really was. And for some reason, Henry gets so much shit because of that. And I kind of get it, especially when he naively just let her out of the prison last time, but he just gets so much shit and I don't really get it. He's trying to be, he's trying to be a good person and help this girl who's in this abusive situation, get free of it. I think that's great. <laughs> What's wrong with that? I don't get it. I So I agree with what you're saying pr- pretty much. Um, you know, I think that Henry acts a lot like Daryl used to, maybe pre-Alexandria or even uh, pre-All-Out War before he was held hostage for as long as he was. Um, you know, he really identifies with abused people. We know this. We know that he has uh, some unexplained history of abuse. Um, you know, Lydia is a prime example of Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. You know, she loves the pe- she loves her abuser and she sympathizes with them mm-hmm. and she misses them. I mean, well, people thing, that have been in Well, I I I agree with that. I think there's an element of that. I also sort of wondered if she wasn't listening to this whole situation and realized they have two of these th- these guys people. If I just go back, it's going to um, alleviate a lot of conflict like there could be death and destruction here if we don't if I don't just go you know what I mean like I think in part maybe she did it to help protect Henry a little bit but yeah maybe but I mean more she said it was that like my mom them. came for me yeah I mean you know you're gonna say that I, I don't know if I totally believed her but anyways either way you, so, you still have a point there so the main problem I have with Henry is that he seems to be all Ezekiel and no Carol. He's mm-hmm. being raised by Carol as well. And Carol is not somebody who minces words uh, when it comes to survival, when it comes to instinct. She doesn't, she's not Carol with um, with Sophia anymore. You know, she's lost a whole bunch of children. She's had to kill people. She's had to do some pretty terrible things. I would think that even with Ezekiel as a co-parent, she would have 
taught him some survival skills. And that's the only thing that doesn't make sense to me about the character of Henry is that we're, we don't see any of Carol in this kid. I don't agree with that. He's telling Daryl, you're an asshole. He stands up to Daryl, who's super intimidating, you'd think. He's he's standing around practicing with his staff, and he's gotten so good at it over the years, you know, because little Henry used to do that. So he knows how to kill when he needs to. He, he really is the kind of guy that, I mean, you say he doesn't mince words, but I don't see him equivocating or, oh, I'm not so sure. He knows exactly what he wants and what he stands for, and he, he's, he'll stand up for it no matter what. So I think... Um, but the survival part, maybe I'll give you like he's um, he he almost got clobbered with that hammer. So that was the part where he almost didn't survive because of his naivete. But otherwise, I don't know. He seems like a strong he's got a strong core to me. People think people don't see that like I do. <laughs> do you think that he was maybe uh, see I I guess maybe next week we'll see exactly what they're going to do with his character because he'll mm. be alone and he'll be going after this really dangerous group. So yeah, maybe there'll be some answers there. But I just and and I and and I I see what you're saying and that that does soften me on on him a little bit. I just also would like it if he would just have some of Carol's instincts, and I just don't see it yet. I'm not saying that I won't. I just personally don't see it yet. What about, I don't even know if this totally maps with his instincts, the kind of instincts you're talking about, but what about Mm -hmm. when Lydia is saying, maybe my mom misses me, maybe she's sorry. And he just goes, no, she's not. People like that don't get to be sorry. I mean, he seems to have a better, clearer picture of her situation than she does. Yeah, that's true. You know what? You're right. I mean, he's overheard his mom talking. He even said that he did. Yeah, um, like he's he's so like I'm, yeah. I don't, you shouldn't, and I mean the one probably uh, weakness in that, in my opinion, maybe not quite yet, but is if you find a person who's in an abusive situation like that, and you try to get them out and it doesn't work, maybe you should just let not. It, 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 after a while of doing that too much, you're the one who's being abused you know what i mean what i'm trying to say like yeah oh, you yeah. can only you do can't so enable much. and abuse yeah. uh, somebody who's being abused mm-hmm. you can't you can't abuse somebody who's being abused i mean they have to want to leave exactly yeah mm-hmm. if, if lydia doesn't want to leave then mm-hmm. he can't make her want to <laughs> so yeah well it'll be yeah. interesting to see how it plays out i mean he's probably going to do some really stupid thing next week and I'll be like, okay, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm so curious. I really am interested in his story, which is cool because I wouldn't necessarily expect to be interested. And when he was younger, I didn't really care so much to be honest, but now that he's a teenager, I'm more interested. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I'm glad that they talked about when he was a kid because it made me realize that he really is a lot younger than Enid. Yeah. Right. When she said when I was your age. So now we know that Mm -hmm. he's the age that Enid was when, when they met, when we met Enid. And that was um, on the timeline. That's like eight to nine years ago. Okay. Wow. Do you feel better about Alden and Enid now? 
No, I no. <laughs> I think, but that's because I think they have zero chemistry mm. more than anything. I just don't see it. I don't feel it. Like when they're like, oh, I never want to let you go. I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I guess I can Sorry. see that. Yeah. I, I would like to see more of them to make a f- final judgment on that. We haven't really seen much of them together, but yeah. That's true. Hold out judgment. Okay. Any notes? Uh, the only note that I really have is that the kingdom doesn't know Jesus is dead and they don't know about the whispers. And I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're talking about him. They talked about talking to Jesus. How about you? Yeah. I had a few. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting that Hilltop has these crops outside their walls. So I guess the walkers don't eat corn or bother <laughs> it or anything. <laughs> And cornfields are great, by the way, for anything horror related. That was cool. So scary. <laughs> um, this bulb, I I think most movies these days and probably even in 2010 when The Walking Dead world ended, used digital projectors, but they still would have bulbs, just no film. Uh, I wonder if you could use the same bulb or maybe that was an old theater that had a film projector. I couldn't really tell. But I was just thinking about that, that that probably Ezekiel has a film projector. I don't think he has a digital projector. And uh, I hope we do get to see what movie they play at the I thing. totally didn't even, like, question any of that. I said, oh, okay, they need a bulb. Yeah, it's fine, yeah. <laughs> There's no reason to question any of that. Uh, you're so smart. <laughs> uh, Alpha, it was interesting. She was saying, you know, I, I don't want conflict. You, Your people crossed into our land your people helped kill our people. There will be no conflict. So she's saying, even though you killed our people and crossed into our land, there will be no conflict, which says, I mean, and that's not exactly what happened. I mean, I think the whispers attacked them first, but it's pretty clear that it's important to her that people don't cross into her land, which seems weird to me since they seem kind of nomadic and, they say they're animals and animals are territorial. So I don't know. It's just interesting to me that they seem to be of the land and yet they have, they seem to have these marked borders that they don't want people going into. And in six years, they haven't come across them. Right. That too. Like were they in some place they never go to before or are the whispers expanding their territory or what? Did you think that weird symbol was a marker for them? Um, I thought that it was one of those symbols that are used for homeless people. Um, mm. I looked at, I, I knew from watching a lot of criminal minds that, you know, homeless people use uh, symbols to indicate, you know, certain people and places that they can and can't go and stuff like that. And so I actually looked it up online to see if that symbol was anywhere and it was nowhere. Uh, so I could only assume that it is a symbol unique to the whispers. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll find out cause the camera settled in on it for a couple seconds there. Yeah. After a nice little hopeful remark of <laughs> maybe our time of losing is over. Come on <laughs> horsey. <laughs> that horse is going to get eaten. Um, <laughs> so, so let's see. Oh, I was wondering if the whispers, ever find it hard to tell each other from the dead, you know? Oh yeah. I wonder if they can tell or not. 
and maybe they don't need to be able to, but you would think it would be helpful. <laughs> so have, have like a little X or something? Yeah, like something. Certain spot on the mask. <laughs> then the last thing is uh, Carol was talking about, hey, if this whole thing doesn't work out, maybe we can move in with Jesus at Hilltop if things get worse at the kingdom. So I don't remember if I'm, did I miss something, but I'm not sure what she meant by that. Like something bad is happening at the kingdom. I think that they just don't have a lot of food and they, they, cause I remember, remember when the first, they first started talking about the fair, mm-hmm. they were talking about how it would be really good for the kingdom because the kingdom's been fallen on hard times. Yeah. Okay. Do you think it's about bad crops or something like that? Maybe. I, I'm not sure. I mean, Hilltop seems to be the place people go when they need stuff. I know. That's true. Uh, that was actually one thing that I didn't say. I guess it could be a note was that Alexandria, it's really strange for me to change my mindset on Alexandria. Alexandria seems like a really dark place. Um, kind of where there's no joy. It it just seems like it's more militant. It's a little it's a little bit more confined. Everybody else seems it, it seems warmer at the hilltop and warmer, mm-hmm. of course, at the kingdom. But I would never have thought of Alexandria being the outlier community. And it's really strange that that's the world that we're in in this show yeah. right now. It feels like the show is now centered on hilltop for the first time. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, I, I noticed that this time, too. That's interesting. I mean, Daryl's there and Tara's there. And yeah, Alexandria is more of an outlier. Have we even spent much time there lately? I don't think so, huh? Mm-mm. Yeah, because Michonne was at the hilltop and they were in the graveyard. So I wonder if it's changed a lot since this whatever incident. I mean, we did see it because we saw council meetings and stuff when the um, mm-hmm. Magnus group first got there. But anyway, all right. Anything else? Nope, I'm good. Okay. Cool. That was good. Let's take a little break. There's more to come. Stay with us. threat to untold numbers of citizens the people he kills get up and kill are they slow moving chief yeah they're dead they're all messed up this is a walking dead cast news update did you watch whiskey cavalier not yet i heard did you mixed reviews no i haven't seen it yet either but um possible bad news for maggie fans the uh, critics are reviewing it pretty well. It's got an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. And the consensus says, Fun, feisty, and fueled by the chemistry between its charismatic leads, Whiskey Cavalier overcomes its familiar structure to deliver an attractive take on a well-worn formula. Good. Yeah. Somebody in, in the group was saying they thought it was cheesy. And uh, I kind of wonder if maybe it's not our kind of thing. <laughs> or people I, who know, like dark stuff anyway, you know, I don't know. 
Yeah, no, you know what? I'm just, I hope that she finds success. I hope that she finds well-deserved recognition for her work. Mm -hmm. Even if it means, like, if the show had tanked, Maggie could come back on Walking Dead, but not if it's successful. I would love for Maggie to come back, but I think that uh, AMC did not do her very well with her negotiations. Yeah, actually, yeah, I I feel like that too. It's hard to know since we're not there, but there's just been so much stuff with AMC where it feels like they're being really stingy about things that, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I actually felt good about this too, hearing that it was good. And I hope it's a huge success because uh, that, that was a brave move of her to walk away from the table. Especially from such a popular mm-hmm. show. And mm-hmm. then to, have, to find success, that, that would be awesome. By the way, for people who don't know, Whiskey Cavaliers, Lauren Cohan's new show on ABC, it premiered last weekend, I think right after the Oscars, and it's described as a high-octane, hour-long action dramedy that follows the adventures of tough-but-tender FBI super agent Will Chase, codenamed Whiskey Cavalier, played by Scott Foley. Following an emotional breakup, Chase is assigned to work with a badass CIA operative, Francesca Frankie Trowbridge, codenamed Fiery Tribune, played by yeah, yeah. Lauren, Lauren Cohan. So that's what it is. Woo. <laughs> yeah, I want to I check um, it out. Yeah, and Noah is in it, too. From Oh, no way. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. What's that? I forgot the guy's name, but I, I love that guy. He The one he was on Everybody Hates Chris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. Uh, he has three names. That's what I know, and one of them's Tyler. <laughs> Tyler James. Tyler James. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, he's cool. Sure. <laughs> Next, <laughs> uh, the rap said that last Sunday's episode of Walking Dead Omega averaged a 1.7 rating in the 18 to 49 demographic, down 15 percent from the previous week's mid-season premiere and slightly below its previous all-time demo low of 1.8 last fall. And that week also marked the show's worst ever performance in total viewers. This is a downer, by the way. With 4.5 million people tuned in for Sunday's episode, that's down 12% from last week and less than the previous low of 4.171 million for the show's second episode in 2010. Yikes. It, it aired against NP, uh, NBC's All-Star Game wait the nbc all-star game on tnt and tbs likely accounting for the week over week declines however despite the downward trend which is more or less in line with across the board cable ratings declines in recent years the show still remains the most watched non-sports program on cable and as we know it's been picked up for a 10th season so even though the ratings are low it's still like the top cable show You know, and I mean, a lot of people probably are just a lot of people fell off after Negan killed Glenn and I don't blame them, but I invite everybody to come back. Yep. If you're still listening to this podcast and not watching the show, you should check it out. (laughs) I bet you there's at least one or two people. (laughs) I've heard that before, but uh, yeah, it's really been good this season. Okay. I agree. Comicbook.com says The Walking Dead showed this charter that Michonne worked up in the years following the exit of Rick Grimes. It's the multi community charter of rights and freedoms. And a few things that it says it starts with the premise that any person who would live in peace and fairness, who would find common ground, this world is yours by right, which is an echo of what Rick said 
in one episode. We stand together for, for life, not death, in this new world. Together we make this world bigger. The future is ours as we hold on to our faith in one another with every day. Con- uh, concentrate our band. That makes sense. We established this multi-community charter of rights and freedoms. A couple other things it says is we survived the end of the world. We are banded together by the fellowship of the living, knowing we have God, this is so hard to read. We are banded together by the fellowship of the living, knowing we have what happened to the dead. We believe we have the right to live as long as we can. The days of fury are over. At the bottom of the charter, it says it was created under the unanimous agreement of all the communities mentioned below and has, as I mentioned earlier, Alexandria, Kingdom, Oceanside, Hilltop, and Sanctuary, but no signatures yet. So... Yeah, a few things. So about I it. wonder if that means that. Yeah, I wonder if that means that it was written and then something happened and like in the middle of that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if it's finished. I, it seemed like they were trying to say that it was finished, but Michonne has clearly changed her mind, and she seems to be the chief opponent of the communities ba- banding together now. Do you think that it's Michonne or was it Maggie? Oh, it could be both of them. Yeah, but I mean. Now that Maggie's gone, Michonne still mm-hmm. seems pretty reluctant to have dealings with all of them, you know? Yeah. I mean, she did take yeah. the Luke and Magna over there, so but it seemed like that was the first time she'd seen them in a long time and that it was a little tense and everything. And she didn't know that Maggie was gone. Oh, yeah. So maybe that would change her mind, which is so weird. So, yeah, if... if um. We do have a flashback. Is Lauren Cohan going to be in it? Oh, wouldn't that be great? You know what? I think it was rumored that she was signed for a certain amount of episodes. And I think I hope I'm not like misleading anybody here with my maybe incorrectness. But I think she only appeared in one less episode than what we heard she was signed for. Yeah, I heard the same thing that she has one more episode. Yeah, so maybe it'll be this flashback and we'll find out what happened. Maybe she'll show up at the fair. <laughs> yeah, hey guys, how you doing? It It is weird, <laughs> like that she's just hanging out with this Georgina, but we don't really know anything about them. That just feels so weird. It's just the same kind of feeling I get thinking of Rick off on a helicopter. <laughs> I, you know, I just, I, I'd like to know in six years how it is that he hasn't, found his way back to his family yeah i i just have was has he been in a coma the whole time he found a really nice resort and it's just so nice that he's planning on going back but he just hasn't found the time to get away yet doesn't love michonne (laughs) as much as he loved (laughs) Lori. yeah and judith is shane so Whatevs. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of a good explanation. I mean, we've thought, okay, what if somebody is threatening Alexandria that if you go back there, I'm going to kill everyone there. But that's really a stretch. Who would say that and how would it be credible to him? Or maybe he... Scott Gimple would. <laughs> he might. Or maybe he's overseas. I mean, I guess that is the one that maybe makes the most sense but you'd still think he would find his way back somehow mm-hmm. yeah so and it, if it's amnesia then it's very soap opera so i don't know 
if he's in a jail cell somewhere, then that's going to be a really boring movie. Maybe he couldn't walk or something. I don't know. Yeah, but then we'll have a movie of him crawling around on Rehabilitating. Stumps, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so who knows? Yeah. We'll see. I, it would be amazing if they if it was something and we're like, oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> I hope so. I can't imagine what that would be. Next, <laughs> SciFiWire.com <clears throat> says, the fallout from Chandler Riggs' effective firing from The Walking Dead has been raging online since it happened. But Riggs has finally spoken up about his place in The Walking Dead's decision. Posting in response to a few comments on Reddit, Riggs explained that as he's been rewatching his performance from the show, he agrees that, quote, he he wasn't a strong enough actor to play the role. Dang. The actor wrote, I think I was decent for the first few years, but I definitely got lazy when I should have utilized the writers giving me more material. End quote. As Carl was a big part of the comics, forming the character around Riggs' abilities could have been a factor alongside shaping the narrative for a TV audience. Riggs explained that he feels he, quote, sucked when it mattered, but that it was due to his focus on schooling. Riggs said, quote, for seasons four through seven and some of eight, I was putting the majority of my effort into school, not trying to toot my own horn here, but I took like 10 AP classes throughout high school, which he says is super evident in his, quote, earlier lackluster performances. In hindsight, in the best interest of the show, Riggs wrote, I do feel like if I didn't get killed off, things would not have gotten better on my end and The Walking Dead might have been better off recasting Carl. Don't get me wrong, I loved everything about playing Carl and it would have been really awesome to play out all those storylines, but I would have been juggling college and the show and my performances would suffer because of it as shown when I was in high school. While Riggs concluded by explaining that his efforts refocused on his acting craft by the end of the show, it was an understandable decision by the creative team not to move forward with him as an actor. That's intense. That's really <laughs> self-aware Yeah, for an 18-year-old. I know. I hope it was actually him that wrote it. You know, it's Reddit, but um, I assume so if it's in the news and everything. I'm wondering if he did an AMA. Yeah, maybe he did. Yeah, I should have looked into that just to check my source a little bit more on this one. But I mean, I don't really disagree with him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was he was a weak link. I do agree with that. I I wasn't invested in Carl like I was many other characters, but you know, I, I also feel that way about Enid. Oh, you do? I I like her pretty I good. I mean, and sometimes I thought Chandler was really great, and even when he was he just seemed a little like he's saying lazy, like lackluster, but even robotic. Yeah. Yeah. Robotic. But even then there's still something about him that made me feel, um, I don't know, like want to pull for him and everything. Like it wasn't like, um, people seem to feel towards Henry. <laughs> They're like, fuck him. <laughs> I never felt like that. He's doing a great job. He is, yeah. But anyways, um, I thought that was really interesting that he wrote that. Okay, comicbook.com says, Norman Reedus, now the top billed actor on The Walking Dead, will pass former leading man actor Andrew Lincoln for most episode appearances on the series in March. Reddit user Rark for President noted the Walking Dead season nine mid-season premiere marked Daryl Dixon's 100th episode of the series, bringing him within reach of the 103 recorded appearances for Lincoln's Rick Grimes. 
Daryl first appeared in The Walking Dead, episode 103, Tell It to the Frogs. The episode also marks the first appearance of Carol, who's the third most appearing character with 87 total. Now at 102 appearances as of Sunday's episode, Bounty, Redis will overtake the new record for most episodes with season nine, episode 13, Choke Point, airing March 10th. Cool. Yeah, it's cool. I, I'm almost surprised, actually. It feels like Daryl hasn't been in nearly as many episodes, but I think that's maybe because for a long time he was so quiet. He was just riding his motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. Growling. <laughs> Once in a while. <laughs> um, so I, the IMDb show, I guess, did an interview, and Redis had some really interesting things to say, at least I thought, about when he first started The Walking Dead. He says, I came on on episode three of the first season, and that original cast had been together for a year, and they were bonded. I walk up, I say these lines, I do this stuff, and I turn around and all these people are staring at me like, who's this kid? What's he going to do? And I immediately got a chip on my shoulder. And everything kind of came out of the side of my face, and I didn't look people in the face. And I was all super self-conscious. And when I got up in your face like I wanted to fight, that became the character. He assumed everyone hated him. Hmm. Um, So I thought that was really interesting that because he really did just seem, I mean, that's how his story, but Daryl was so angry and like half cocked in that first season, you know? Yeah. I wonder, huh? That's so interesting because he seems to be a real leader for, you know, being kind of pair bonded with a lot of the cast. I know. Especially Andrew Lincoln. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think that was just very early on and he got over it really quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because now he's core to that show. Well, he's also, from what I hear, he's also just, you know, he's very aware of like, I don't know, he's got like issues with his eyes and he doesn't like, he's a little shy and, you know, a little socially awkward. So that probably plays into yeah. brand new situations for him. Like it does for me, totally. Yeah. You know, both, um, I've, been on a couple of panels with him and he had him on the podcast once and you know how I tease and whenever I even get close to teasing with him, he doesn't respond well. Mm. He, he, he fires back something at me, but it's more like a shutdown. And so now that I'm reading this, I'm kind of reading into it, but I'm thinking, Oh yeah, I guess he's just like, you know, <laughs> maybe he has a bit of a chip on his shoulder when you don't know him that well yet. Or maybe he's just sensitive. I guess that's another way to put Could it. Could be just, yeah, like a defense mechanism. Like if yeah. somebody makes fun of me and I don't know them very well, yeah. I'll totally just be like, F you, you right. know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, can, I think I can be like that too. Or I'll, I'll be yeah. just like, oh. But they're like, no, I'm just kidding, dude. I smack him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, what else? Oh. He was talking more about, you know, now that Andrew Lincoln is gone and he has a bigger role, he says, I immediately called everybody and I was like, look, I don't want Andy's speeches. I don't want Rick Grimes speeches. Uh, Daryl's not that type of character that's going to build a soapbox and say, gather around. Let me give you an inspirational speech. He's going to be <laughs> like, I trust you. I don't really trust you. I don't care what happens to you. 
He's going to pick his people. I was like, don't give me those because I'm not that guy. And it would be a disservice to the fans of the show and what we've done so far to make me put on his boots. That's smart. I totally agree with that. Totally. I mean, like when he said, Alpha said she's done talking, or she said she's done talking. I'm not. I was like, yeah, that that's Daryl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there, yeah, it's a challenge, I would say, to boost his role in the show, but keep his character the same. Or, uh, and I think they've been doing a really good job of that so far this season. I would agree. Yeah. I mean, you have to lean on your supporting cast, but good thing they have a lot of them. So. I know. Yeah. Okay. That's it for the news. Let's move on to Listen Rones, Groans, Grunts. Uh, so it might be because we're a day late, but I, I don't think so. We got more messages than usual this week. You, you guys really responded to the episode so i can't read them all i mean we can't read them all but i just want to thank everyone who wrote in as usual thank you guys would you like to go first sure uh rima joe hi rima says can we sacrifice henry to get lydia back (laughs) (laughs) that a lot of people responded positively to that i thought that was funny because if henry's dumb for trying to save lydia then why would you want Lydia but not Henry? Because Lydia is more interesting. <laughs> okay. I think that's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay. Jillian, Jillian Moreau says, I have such hatred for that kid. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in a text thread with, with both of them separately. And I just left it before we started recording. I just left that text thread and there was some Henry hate talk. I know. There's so much Henry hate. Yeah, it's all right. (laughs) I identify with Henry because I was a teenager once, and I remember feeling like I was being dismissed sometimes when my ideas were just as good as anybody else's, but it was just because I was younger. I I mean, I don't know. I think that could be part of it sometimes. Like, Mm -hmm. Henry wants to go save Lydia, and he's an idiot, and then... Um, Connie and Daryl want to, and they're awesome. <laughs> I think Daryl is going to save Henry. He is. You're right. But Connie, she was already upset before she even knew that Henry was missing. That's true. Well, they'll have to work that out on their own in the woods. <laughs> I hope they do it. I hope they do it naked. <laughs> <laughs> that should probably solve everything. Yeah. <laughs> it usually does, right? <laughs> yep. Uh, Elizabeth, I thank you for this. Uh, Elizabeth... <laughs> Nikolayevich. I'm so sorry. Uh, Henry did the right thing. Even though Daryl said the opposite to Henry, we find out Daryl couldn't live with it either. Nor could Connie. That's what I was just saying. It's like the next one. (laughs) Harry Solomon says Henry had a real Sophie's choice, Lydia or Enid's boyfriend. That's not Sophie's choice. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Alden, you're done. Uh, Robin Springer says, I've been a teacher for about 100 years, seems like it, and I've known so many kids like Henry. He leads with his heart, as so many do at that age, even ones who are tough little kids. He wants to matter. He's at that indeterminate age where the adults treat him like a kid and he isn't one, but he isn't grown either. And trying to be a grown up makes him do dumb stuff. 
He fell in love with Lydia just like that, and he wants to be a man and protect her, love her, and do the right thing by her. Kids can, kids that age can be extremely moral and see life in black and white terms. I think he and the writers are doing a good job portraying that. I totally agree with this. I kind of do, but it sounds like you're saying, oh, that little Henry, he's just a kid and doesn't know any better. And to me, I'm like, like I said during the podcast earlier, he's trying to protect this girl who's going into an abusive situation. And yes, he's totally got the hots for her, but he's still, he's being a hero. You know, he's really trying to save her. Okay. So let me ask you this. If Mm -hmm. Alpha had a son that had the same markers, uh, the same marks, the same bruises, the same story, but was a son, would he set, Would he escape with her to the house? Would Henry escape with a son? Yeah. Mean? Yes, uh, that's what I mean? I, yeah, I wish we could find that out because I really think that Henry has shown that he believes, I mean, he's really focused in on, look, Daryl, I've seen those marks on your back. You know what Lydia's going through. He's not just bullshitting, you know, he's not Mm -hmm. just making all that up so that he can have an excuse to get laid. (laughs) I really don't think so. So I think there's a damn good chance he would, but you know, we we wouldn't know unless it happened. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Because if I really thought, Oh no, no, you're right. I think then in that case he wouldn't then that might change my mind about Henry but I really just think he's a good person he has a Glenn vibe going on to me don't don't do that (laughs) he does like there's certain characters Alden does too where they just uh, seem like good people you know they want to do the right thing yeah and I feel like Alden's one of those too so it's okay to say that people share that with him I mean doesn't mean they measure up <laughs> i know i know i just glenn is glenn yeah i know i mean i feel the same way yeah karen she says that set piece with a baby and cornfield walkers was nerve-wracking i kept repeating holy shit holy shit they wouldn't kill a baby on this show would they what an effective way to show alpha and the whisper savagery against the compassion from our group i was watching halloween the 2018 remake or uh, sequel on the cruise ship actually and um, there's a kid in that that does get killed. And I was kind of shocked. Like, oh, my did, God. Did this... you ever see Z Nation? I saw the first episode with the zombie baby. Zombie baby, man. That's zombie baby. Up, man. Yes. That shit. Yes. <laughs> I did the same thing, though, Karen. I kept saying over and over again, they would not. If they kill a baby, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> All right, and she goes on. Love the Jerry Ezekiel Carroll thread of the episode too. I love it when the show demonstrates that fine line between surviving and living. What a coincidence that an episode illustrating the importance of movies and storytelling played on the same night as the Academy Awards. Oh yeah, that's right. Forgot about that. Tara Noyola, Noyola, Noyola. Oh, come on, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Wonderful episode. I was glad to have some of the good feels mixed in throughout. I think my favorite bit was Daryl and Connie going off together with Dog at the end. I like that unlikely trio. Me too. (laughs) That's cute that she has it as a trio. Lara Willie Swink says, I'm shipping Daryl and Connie right now. Yeah, girl. (laughs) Smiley face, smiley face, ship. Yes. What's that last thing? 
A handshake. Handshake. Nice. <laughs> okay. Um, maybe they're holding hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pake Allen. I love that guy. Incredible episode. Legitimate terror and rack nerves for certain characters in certain situations. Serious fucked up moments. Great zombie gore and awesome emotional beats that actually had me a little misty eyed. This was top notch Walking Dead for me. Very anxious and excited for the rest of this season. Yeah, good call. Jim Mahal says the whispers put a crying baby down to be fed to walkers mm-hmm. as a new mother to my beautiful baby girl. Congratulations. I just almost had a coronary. What I found more disturbing was when Alpha gave the nod to the mother. The mother just put the baby down nonchalantly and walked away, going against her every instinct. This must be due to some disturbing brainwashing by Alpha or extreme loyalty to the group. When Connie grabbed the baby and ran into the cornfield, I almost couldn't watch, and I loved how the sound was muted so we as the audience are hearing what Connie does. It was a terrifying few moments. Mm-hmm. I don't read the comics, but I, of course, I know who the whispers are. I always wondered what makes this new threat different to Negan and the governor. And I think this episode just showed us right off the bat. This group will sacrifice children ruthlessly. And this is something I'm certain the governor as a father and Negan who loves kids would not do as bad as they were. They would have saved that baby in an instant. I think you might be right about that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. They they did kill all of the boys to age 10 and over at Oceanside. Right. So see, he loves kids. <laughs> as long as you're under 10. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I like that that was the takeaway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's not a total monster. <laughs> Nine and a half. Are you, let me see some ID, kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, Megan Dively Lehman says, I love Jerry and Nabila repopulating the earth. <laughs> I think there were two kids and a baby in that quick little shot we mm-hmm. saw of him saying goodbye. Adorable. Yeah, super cute. Grippy Bob Dabalino says, Jerry was so hopeful in this episode. I was completely convinced that it was his doom. I know. I was thinking that too. Yes. Or somebody's. <laughs> I told you, my husband said, yeah, he's gone. Right. <laughs> we were surprised he was alive. Yeah. He goes on, I'm starting finally to like Daryl. He breaks the mold of the angry bad boy, quiet lone wolf. Since season one, fans have wanted him to have a woman or even man, but his solitude speaks of choice and how nothing is guaranteed in this life except never wearing sleeves and looking like he never <laughs> showered once in the entire run of the show. Perhaps at the CDC, though. Hashtag love Jerry. <laughs> Mofavo says fragile it needs to be used more often also I have questions does the walking dead cast have answers she had a bunch of questions I thought we'd go through them one at a time okay. just kind of rapid fire Rapid fire. how great was Luke signing play by play for Connie it was awesome. awesome did you initially think kingdom were going did you initially think that the kingdom was going to go to the movie theater for a popcorn machine after oil quips? Um, no, I don't think I was trying to formulate answers. I was just taking it all in. And I thought they were going for a movie. <laughs> just going to watch a movie? No, like yeah. take a movie. Uh, oh, 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 I see. I thought <laughs> it's like, we're going to clear this place out and watch a movie, <laughs> goddammit. 
<laughs> Jerry, it's Jerry. movie time. It's movie time. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, FYI, like the glass bit, also burned out bulbs, but have bubble wrap, batteries, and duct tape. Who else thinks that we should know where the Amazon warehouse is for the apocalypse? <laughs> yep. Uh, Jerry should lip, lip sync in every episode, right? Yes. Right. <laughs> what does retirement look like in the post-apocalypse? Can you retire? Is there a pension? <laughs> Maybe Earl's like the first one, and so they're going to have to figure that figure out what that means. What Medicare is. Yeah, and so is there Social Security... I mean, what are the goods and services? I mean, you he would still get crops. I, I I don't know. We don't really know if they like have to work or is it communist? Do they just share everything? I feel like it's communist. They're Maybe commies. He teaches. I mean, he's teached. He's teached. He's taught. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. He's taught um, black the the blacksmiths at this point. Yeah, right? so he could still work. You're saying. But I mean, it's interesting to think, what if he's like, okay, I'm retiring, like, I'm not going to work anymore because I'm old. They're like, fuck you, man, you're you're teaching. <laughs> right. <laughs> you can just do nothing. It's a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, get up there, buddy. <laughs> Come on, Earl. Time to go teach. <laughs> but my arthritis. <laughs> <laughs> can you talk? <laughs> uh, is Alpha slash Samantha Morton's Baltimore accent so much better than Kathy Bates's controversial Baltimore accent in American Horror Story Freak Show. I didn't even know she was doing a Baltimore accent. I thought she was doing a Southern accent. I, I, I couldn't place it. The Baltimore accent is pretty distinct, and um, I did not recognize it as that. But I, I guess they're from Baltimore, right? They showed that flashback. I can't mm-hmm. remember where if we got an indication of where it was, but. Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe it was Baltimore. Wendy Ott Eppers is from Baltimore. She would have the answer on that Tell one. us, Wendy. Uh, loved corn maze. Did anyone else examine each of Connie's kills, wondering if it was a whisper? I did. Yep. Was Connie wondering? Probably not. She was not. just freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When did you realize that there was absolutely no reason for whispers to pursue Connie slash baby? Right now. <laughs> yep, I was this. this many years old. <laughs> <laughs> when I was 10. <laughs> uh, another bunch of teases about what happened at Alexandria. Any guesses when we get the flashback? Well, yeah, I see that an episode coming up is called Scar or Scars. So I probably I think it's probably that one, but I won't say which one it is in case people don't want to know. Ooh, I, oh, can't wait. Okay. I'm really excited. If Henry knows, we should know? No. Wait, what? If Henry oh. knows. Everybody knows. Right. We, Everybody know. knows. Yeah, right. Except us. Who else thinks rift between communities is Oceanside related? Ooh. Again, I was this many years old. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that a long time ago. Uh, I hadn't considered that. We haven't seen them yet. So that might be part of it. Um yeah, I hadn't, hadn't considered that, but I guess Mofevo does think that since she said who else. So that's I also didn't know that the sanctuary was completely gone. That surprised me. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Because uh, the charter has sanctuary on it, but that was written early on. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
Uh, Maggie and Tara were pro Oceanside. Do we think Oceanside still exists? We don't know. I wonder. I think it probably some version of it does. I hope so. I, yeah. I'd be interested to know what it looks like. Maybe they're all wearing like fish scales as clothing or something. Because what happened to Cindy? I mean, she's the one who killed one of the saviors, right? Mm-hmm. And when Daryl and Maggie walked away, I don't remember after that if we just had the time jump and we haven't seen her since. I think so. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, we haven't seen anybody from Oceanside. Mm-hmm. Anybody. I don't think any of them assimilated to any of the communities either. Right. So maybe, yeah, maybe they do have something to do with it. Uh, ah, shouldn't Co- Connie have told her team she was leaving with Daryl? Well, she didn't have time, really, because he wasn't oh, yeah, going to wait. Was, Can you hang on? No. So she's writing a note. Can you wait 15 minutes? <laughs> Let me just tell them real quick. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, dog, let's go. <laughs> right, right. Uh, any guesses what movie they'll be showing on movie night? What movie would you want to watch in a theater 10 years into the apocalypse? The Matrix. Really? Okay. Yeah, that's cool. a good... Yeah. Blow those kids' minds. What's that? What is a computer? I mean, I wonder if you would want to show them a movie that was a little bit more reflective of their current reality, like some nature thing, or would you want to show a full-blown... like it, Their minds are not only going to be blown by... The, the existence of a projector that projects something on a screen, but also if they show pre-apocalyptic, that would blow everybody's mind. And I think if I was a teenager or something, or, you know, however the age you would need to be where you are still really aware, but yet have lived most of your life in the apocalypse, like mm-hmm. maybe 12 or something that you would uh, really be curious about what it was like before and want to see that. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Matrix blew my mind in, in this world. Right. Maybe that'd just be too much mind blowing for one movie. What about <laughs> Lord of the Rings? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Fantasy getaway stuff. Yeah. That's a good one. Let's do it. Well, they can do the whole like marathon with the extended versions. Well, they'd be there for a while, so <laughs> yeah. it'd take up a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, should we move on? Yeah. All right, there's an email from Adam Gaisley addressed to me and Karen. He says, enjoying listening to the podcast here in the UK. I don't usually get to see the show in time to send an email, but liking season nine so far. In the downtime after the mid-season break, I started to listen to some of your archived shows, specifically some of the specials. Just finished listening to Sean of the Dead cast and a couple of things struck me. Jason is a prophet. Joking about accidentally spoiling Shane's death in the comics, but not in the show. He joked that Rick, Carl, and Andrea were all dead in the comics as well, which they which they weren't, by the way. What did right. you, I was just joking, but what did you know about future plot divergences all the way back then? Nothing. I was just goofing around. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever watch the rest of the TV show Spaced? If not, recommend that you do. It's Ace. Yeah, that's a that's. Have you do you know about that show? No, it's by the same people who did Shaun of the Dead. They did Spaced before that. So uh, Nick Frost is in it, and uh, the main guy from Shaun of the Dead—I forgot his name. Simon Pegg. Yes, it's really funny. Finally, enjoyed listening to your old top fives, like who would be your crew in the zombie apocalypse. You should revisit some of those lists and update them, maybe with some of your new hosts, like Lucy or Kristen. Oh, Lucy, <laughs> I love her. Yeah, that's a great idea, especially since 
I was totally unserious when I did that. I remember I just picked hot women who looked like they were badass. <laughs> like this UFC fighter <laughs> woman, people like that. <laughs> Karen was like, I see a pattern here. And then we got Laura an email Croft. that was like, I thought you were going to have like a serious list. So we, we could actually do a serious one. <laughs> yeah, Laura Croft. <laughs> okay. And then he goes, looking forward to your future casts, and I will be tuning into your Game of Thrones show as well. Housepodcastica.com, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Adam. That's my son's name, by the way. <laughs> uh, the next email is from Paul Mahler. I'm guessing that you're already getting this message, but I'll add it to the noise. Kingdom on Netflix is spectacular. Great to see the zombie apocalypse in a feudal society. Interesting origin story without a nine-day time jump. Still pissed and looking at you, <laughs> Fear the Walking Dead. Gory action with fast walkers, interesting looks at class, at poverty, and their contributions. I don't want to spoil anything, so I will leave it there. The only disappointing thing is that the English dubbing sounds like 1970s quality. If there was less action, I would probably watch it with the Japanese audio and English subtitles. I always prefer subtitles over goofy dubbing, but maybe he's got a point if there's a lot of action to... Well, it seems like they wouldn't be talking that much during the action. Anyways, um, sorry. Yes, I have heard that that's a good show from more than one listener now, like five or six. So I'm getting more and more curious, and I'll probably have to check it out. Okay. Thank you, Paul. We have two calls this week here. I don't think this one left his name, so I will call him anonymous. Hey, Jason and Karen. I just wanted to talk about last night's episode of The Walking Dead real quick. Um, I thought the episode was really, really, really good. Um, a lot of things stuck out to me, but I'll narrow it down real quick. Um, the fact that Daryl's taking much more of a leadership role, he's talking more, you're seeing more emotion from him, I thought was great. Um, that horrifying part I, with the girl in the field, I cannot remember her name, the, uh, the deaf woman. Connie. Um, that part where kind of throughout the episode, whenever they cut to her, you kind of hear how she hears things, like how everything is, um, I guess, monotone for her. I believe that's the word. Excuse me if I'm wrong about that. Anyways, uh, how you hear that she can't hear anything and, and how Luke signs to her and she understands it and, you know, she knows to stay back. And then the part when she grabs the baby and she's walking through the field or running through the field was terrifying to me to see. I mm -hmm. actually thought she was going to die at some point. <laughs> um, Henry, I like Henry. I think what he's doing is uh, what a lot of teenage boys would do and a lot of people who have a good heart. He just cares about this girl. And the fact that she kissed him at the end seals the deal. That's it. I know he's kind of taking over Carl's, Paul's role and everything. But, uh, yeah, I just, I thought the episode was really good. I thought Magna, uh, or I thought Alpha was terrifying when she slapped her daughter and said, call me Alpha, like everyone else, but then gave her a big hug. Um, she's crazy. The whispers are crazy. I just love the way this whole season, episode by episode, has been done and the last thing real quick 
King Ezekiel. I thought King Ezekiel was great. Uh, the moments between him and Carol, Jerry was amazing too and funny and on point with everything. And them using the music and sitting there kind of talking to each other without saying the words, just saying the words to the song was really cool as well. All right. Thank you guys. Uh, sorry I ran on so long with this. And, uh, my zombie sound is. <laughs> Oh, that All was... right, take care. Don't get that. <laughs> that nice. was a good one. <laughs> that was great. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, I better be getting a zombie sound at the end of this, and you didn't disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I'm glad you liked the episode. Yeah, I, I guess that's why so many people wrote in, because it was just a great episode. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have one final call. This is Morgan from Detroit. Uh, this is about last week's episode, I think. Hey, Jason and Karen, it's Morgan from Detroit. Um, I was just listening to the episode this week, and something occurred to me, and maybe someone else has already brought this up, but we were talking about um, Lydia, you know, going back into the cell after she hears the baby crying um, at Hilltop. And what struck me was the parallel between her and Megan and how both of them asked to kind of be put back in their cell but after experiencing two totally different things. So for Negan, he went back out into the world and kind of saw that there was nothing left. And that kind of, you know, horrible feeling made him go, oh, yeah, I need to be put back in my cell because that's where it's safe with, you know, civilization. And with Lydia, it was kind of the opposite. For her, she saw civilization, and what makes her feel safe is isolation. And so she wanted to be put back in her cell, um, even though she did want Henry to stay with her, which I thought was really, really sweet. Um, but, yeah, I just that kind of parallel struck me about how they both experienced two different things, and both of those things led them to the same reaction, which was to be put back in the cell um, so maybe they could continue to cope with this new world. So I don't know. I thought that was an interesting thought, and I wanted to share it with you guys. As always, I love the show. Please keep up the amazing work. You guys are fantastic. I look forward to listening every single week. Um, here's my zombie sound. All right. Bye, guys. That's awesome. <laughs> Two solid zombie sounds. That's right. Yeah, that was great. I didn't even consider that at all. And so I'm so glad you called. And I haven't read it anywhere either. So that you called and, and brought that up, that they both retreated back into their cells. Um, it almost feels more similar to me. Like they both were just out in the world and were like, fuck this. I, I, like You did say they can't cope. Like they just couldn't cope with the reality of the world. Um, but man, yeah, I maybe. Negan wants to be more back in civilization. I don't know. He just, yeah. And he was just lonely and wanted to be around people who knows, but anyway, yeah, I love that. That's cool. Very cool. Okay. Now it's time for comic talk with Lucy and Derek. Take it away. You guys. Hey, Zedheads. Welcome back to comic talk. I'm Derek. And I'm Lucy. And this time we're here to discuss walking dead comic connections to season nine, episode 11 bounty. And Derek's back. Yay! Yes, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm very sorry for not getting in contact with you, Lucy. Uh, unfortunately, I did have to eat the horse to stay alive and make my way back, but wasn't back in time for Comic Talk last week. 
that's okay. And I did have to trade Jason for you, but I think it was a fair <laughs> trade. So, you know, we did what we did. <laughs> and well done for doing it on your own. Lucy really enjoyed yeah. it. Thank you. Thank you. Just me and my uh, podcasting cupboard in my new apartment. So that's a, <laughs> it's a new experience. Excellent. Well, this time, really, this episode is all based on one issue of uh, of mm. Walking Dead. It's uh, it's issue number 138. Uh, everything from Alpha's Belt, which I'm not sure whether you mentioned last week or whether it was even seen in the no, episode last week. No, I didn't. But, yeah, I missed the belt. Yeah. yeah, no, it came up in an extra or an interview with one of the costume designers. And I was like, damn, I did miss that belt. It's the... Is it um, a snake eating itself? Exactly. Or a, yeah, it's, it's an Ouroboros, I think it's called. I'm not yes. sure I've probably said that wrong, but yeah, it's really cool. I only ever remember that from, from Red Dwarf, so I remember it in a Liverpoolian accent as Arab or Ross. So, uh, Arab <laughs> 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 Nice. There you go, just to add to our accents for this uh, for this episode of Comic Book Talk. <laughs> Amazing. I'm sure Red Dwarf's a common touch point. If, sure. if it's not, it should be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it is. Uh, but that's, yeah, that, the belt is on the cover of issue 138, this cover uh, that's mm-hmm. in there. Um Obviously, we'll take it on to point number two, really, which is uh, the offer of trading Lydia to the Whispers uh, for the two Hilltop prisoners, who's also taken from that issue as well. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty much beat for beat, isn't mm-hmm. it? Um, we've got the, the the conversation. I mistakenly said last week that Alpha's lines differed slightly from the comic. I don't think they actually differed that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and that continues here with the conversation between Alpha and the Hilltop group. Um, there's even a nod where she says, who's the leader? Yes. And we're all waiting for Maggie to pop up, but she's on Whiskey Cavalier, so she can't do that. Yep. So she speaks to everyone, um, which is a nice kind of beat. And I like that they didn't have, I don't know, Daryl or somebody standing up like, I speak for them. I quite like this sort of committee rule. And the, the way that you saw people really struggling with the decision was pretty cool, I think. Mm. Yeah, I do like the idea that she just kind of says, who's the leader? Okay, nobody's saying anything. Right, I'm speaking to everybody here. You know, yeah. It is, it is yeah. quite an interesting one, definitely. Um, exactly. One of the kind of changes, I suppose, from the comic is uh, in the comic book, Lydia readily chooses to leave kind of as soon as mm-hmm. um, as she's there. She's willing to trade herself for uh, the, the Hilltop um, people almost immediately. It's Carl that's pleading for her to stay, I suppose, uh, yes. in the book. Yes, yeah. There's something more almost brainwashed about Lydia in the comics, I think, yeah. at this point. Um, I don't know if, again, it's just because it's reading it on the page versus seeing it in real life, but there definitely seems to be more of a... She's drunk the Kool-Aid of the, the Whisperers a little bit more, maybe, or hasn't yeah. had such a big revelation as Lydia has um, in her conversations with Daryl and Daryl and Henry. So, yeah, that is there's a bit of a difference there as well. And I suppose it makes her a bit more untrustworthy in the comic books. Um, here, you kind of feel like she does want to stay with the group, wants, wants to stay mm-hmm. with Henry, and then makes the decision to go to protect everybody. So you kind of feel a bit more... Uh, a bit more empathy with her, I suppose. Whereas in the comic books, yeah. you feel empathy for her, her situation and her going back, but you're not sure whether to trust her and whether this was a plan of hers to get all the information she wanted to and go back to her group. I think exactly. I think the I think she's definitely playing her in a slightly more sympathetic way in the show, which mm-hmm. I think works at this point. Yeah. And particularly because I know the the jury's out on our sympathies for Henry. So <laughs> <laughs> if we can't have sympathy for him, we should probably have it for Lydia. Exactly. Um, and yeah, it's interesting. I spoke a little last week about some of the beats that come with Carl mm-hmm. that they're trying to hit in different ways. And one of them was eating the worm rather than licking his eye socket yes. for that sort of disgust threshold. And we've got a good point here about the whisperers as, as animal behavior. And mm-hmm. one of the troubling storylines in the book um, that I'm glad that they maybe haven't translated into the show is Alpha's expectations about her daughter and... The whispers and and sexually 
servicing them or ad- adhering to the system of kind of rape that yeah. they have because there is no such thing as rape in the animal kingdom. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that they didn't go for that because I think it would be very uncomfortable with, with actual teenage actress um, Cassidy, I think mm-hmm. her name is. Yes. And I think you're completely right that the reveal and the kind of instinct that that's supposed to hit in us was replaced by the baby being set down on the ground, which was awful. <laughs> it, was, it was awful. It was absolutely awful. But I think, you, yeah, the whole piece about uh, Lydia having that conversation with Carl and it coming across that she's absolutely fine with it because that's the way she's been brought up. And mm-hmm. her mother believes everybody's an animal. So therefore, she believes the same. Sex is not the same thing to her. And it's definitely not right because they're all animals. Um, the yep. disgust on, that comes across with Carl in that moment, uh, that she could be treated that badly does give that layer of sympathy to Lydia in the comic books, definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think replacing it with the, with the baby being set down. I think because everything's moving on and we see families growing in this episode, uh, especially with Jerry having three children now. Uh, yeah. That whole that whole piece of uh, we see kids inside the uh, the walls of Hilltop as well. You know, we see babies mm-hmm. in there. So this moment does feel like uh, a big differentiator between the two groups that we have here. Yeah, there's something almost mythical about babies in the zombie apocalypse yeah. as well. You know, Daryl threatens to, it rightly points out, you know, because I did think at that point, I was like, you know, Daryl's right. They could just kill them all there yeah. and then. Like, yeah. why wouldn't they? But having the baby there as a bargaining chip, is, is it gives a really duplicitous side to Alpha that I'm I'm quite on board with. And yeah. that amazing, completely fabricated for the show, not from the comics at all, but that scene in the corn with uh-huh. Connie and the baby was just very very intense it sort of reminded me of a quiet place yes. and children of the corn all at once <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely and, and really well put together and something you know again this is the tv medium choosing something that can only be told in a visual and audio medium like tv where you have a deaf character not being able to hear the attacks mm. coming around her and with no support at all it's a w- really well shot and really well done scene so glad they're able to do it in the tv show definitely okay. and as for henry and lydia there's there's yeah. a little bit of smooching they get some smooching time in briefly before yeah. she heads off into the distance um and i think that plays pretty much as it does in the comic yes um, i think maggie is more ruthless than daryl is um about letting Lydia go back. Maggie's more, we don't know her. She could have been a savage. She could have been X, Y, and Z. Whereas Daryl, I think, I don't know. He he seems to have much more empathy with Lydia as a character. And he and Enid both seem to fall down on the line of sometimes you have to do shit things, even if they're not the right things, they're the right things for now. And that's a different, I don't know, it's almost more well-rounded than it is in the comic, I think. So that was kind of nice. I think so, but there's also a line from Maggie in the comics where she says uh, Lydia has killed some of our people, but may have killed many, many more, Um, Mm. which is something you don't really get from everybody here. Everybody here seems to want to protect Lydia and take her away from this group. So um, the complexity in the comic, I suppose, is that they know that she's killed people. Um, Yes. Whereas here it's kind of, it's left as we don't really know her, we don't know anything about her, and we're going to trust mm-hmm. what she believes. It does add a little bit of extra, um, I suppose, a wonder for me, I suppose, when uh, they all disappear and are trying to find Lydia in the TV episode, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems to take a lot longer than the five or ten minutes that Maggie uh, gives Alpha to say that they're bringing back her daughter. So you do wonder for that, you know, 40 minutes or hour or so, what is actually going on with the whispers, you know? We, yeah. They kind of say no... that there's a whole gang of zombies coming up behind them, you know? Um, what yeah. happened? How did they keep them at bay for whatever the extra amount of time was? And no repercussions for them going out to grab the baby, which I found no. quite funny because <laughs> loads of them ran. I was like, all right, I mean, good, but also yeah. like, 
yeah, it was interesting. It was time is a, a funny thing in Absolutely. this episode, I think. Absolutely. And they leave the baby behind in Hilltop, don't they? Yes. Yeah, I think uh, Tammy and Earl yes. get the baby, which is quite nice. Yes, Although, you know, it does make me think that something horrible might happen to one of them shortly. So, yeah, you know, yeah. as, as everything in The Walking Dead, a nice moment followed by, <laughs> you know, <laughs> something gross is probably going to happen. Soon. I'm certain. Certain of that, yes. Yeah. Um, episode ends with probably the pretty much the exact ending of the issue um henry chasing after lydia uh, only big difference i saw with that is um henry doesn't have the argument with uh, daryl or anybody else uh, that that carl has um with maggie in the comic books he pretty mm. much just thinks about it writes a note and leaves um yeah that's the only big difference i could see but it is exactly the same choice that carl makes in the comic books i saw a couple of comments from some com- non-comic book readers going how stupid is henry here why the hell would he go out on his own after this and it is exactly as the comic plays out so it's the same decision that Hen- that carl would have made yeah, carl would never do actually yeah guys he carl did. did do that yeah <laughs> yeah he was also a hormonal teenage boy mm-hmm. <laughs> after his first kiss yes <laughs> but yeah it was actually pretty much a comic book episode apart from the kingdom kingdom's completely new for the show that's yes. um what's happening in this episode is not something that we've seen in the comics um and Ezekiel's obviously in quite a different place in the comics. He's pining after Michonne, who's gone off to the ocean. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's just not a lot of similarity there, but enjoyable nonetheless, I thought, Absolutely. seeing, yes, yes, really seeing the king back on screen. Yes, definitely. I'm really looking forward to seeing more of all of them in the next couple of episodes. Yeah, same. So I think that's it for moments from the comic, isn't it? Yes, yes. Nothing else that we can see right now. A couple of big things coming up. We're still talking about the... Uh, the fair that's still coming up uh, towards the end of the season. That was the whole point of the other side of the storyline was that the uh, mm-hmm. the kingdom are still setting up the fair for the end of the season. So, yeah, we shall we shall hold our breath and see what happens up till that point. <laughs> exactly. um, well, I look forward to catching up again next week uh, with episode 12 of the mm-hmm. season. God, we're fairly barreling in on this season, aren't we? I know. <laughs> um, yeah, to see what happens next um, and if that is the last we've seen of the Whisperers or not. But I get the feeling it might not be. Yes. Just a funny situation. <laughs> I think we'll be seeing more. And Samantha Morton is fantastic in this role, as we as we hoped she would be. Really enjoying her her portrayal of Alpha. She's so good. I, I'd read on a couple of forums people really hammering into her because of her accent, but I didn't. I mean, to my British ear, it didn't actually sound that bad. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's just me. But yeah, no, I think she's holding it together and looking fantastic. Yes. Very scary. Alpha in the comics is almost quite beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, the the player is just this kind of very kind of classically beautiful woman with no dirt or anything like that. Whereas this kind of demonic, death-like visage that we have on Samantha Morton is just really working for me i have to say it's, yeah. it's really adding the kind of sense that these people are something completely different altogether exactly exactly yeah really good version mm. of the character i'm really looking forward to seeing so much more of her hopefully as we get on yeah, the rest fingers of the season crossed. i think that's it uh Zedheads, thanks yeah. so much for joining us we will be back again next week more than likely we will indeed right i'll talk to you then Derek. take care thanks so much see you soon bye bye All right, that is our show, episode 343. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you so much. That was great. It was fun. Yeah, I'd love to have you on more. Please, anytime. Yeah, anytime. Cool. Thank you, Lucy and Derek, too. And you guys, if you want to give us a call, you can reach us at 650-485-DEAD. That's 650-485-3323. You can email us at brains at podcastica.com. And you can find us on the web at facebook.com slash deadcast. 
And be sure to check out all of our other shows at podcastica.com, like House Podcastica. Yeah, and that one's <laughs> hot right now. So go to housepodcastica.com and you can find out how to link to it or, um, I mean, you know, download it. And you can also find out all about that whiskey contest I mentioned earlier and how to enter. Yay! Next episode of this podcast is The Walking Dead, Season 9, Episode 12, Guardians. I don't know who's going to be on yet. I have to figure it out. Maybe Avelino. Oh, he's good. He's a good guest. All right. Good to know. All right. That is our show. Thanks for listening. Don't Don't get get bit. bit. Ben Ben Beck. Beck.